Welcome, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to the Sam Dean Podcast, where we talk about life uncensored. Today's episode is brought to you by Van Zant Coffee. Order our coffee at vanzantcoffee.com. It's also sponsored by Protein Proletas. That's P-R-O-L-E-T-A-S dot com. You can buy them at CrossFit Van Zandt. Thanks for listening. Here's Pat Puckett. All right. Well, Pat, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here, Sam. <laughs> I, I feel privileged. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to tell you earlier, as, as I started this thing, I had had two listeners the first episode, uh-huh. and now we've had over 650 listeners around wow. the world. Actually, one in Ireland and two in the United Kingdom. I know one of the guys in the U.K., but uh, – Everybody else in the U.S., of course, but it's growing. The the podcast is gaining a little popularity. So that's great. That's impressive. That's impressive. Yeah. So, so anyway, so Pat, I, I first met you whenever I was a kid. Me and your your stepson Adam Piper, right, were playing ball, mm-hmm. uh, probably t-ball uh, at the CYRA. That's probably where I first met you. I'm sure. Uh, I remember that. Yes. And. Memories of you just growing up, you were you were almost at every ball game. Did you go to every ball game? We didn't miss many. There yeah. were very few that we missed. Back then I had a job that kept me out of town some, so there yeah. was a few but not many, not many. It's a big deal when you go to all the ball games. Now, Adam played everything mm-hmm. pretty much. Right, uh-huh. And so did I. But, you know, Adam's one year older than me. But you're 74 years old, and you've I've known you – my whole life, it seems. And no, we've been here 27 years. 27 years. Uh-huh. And recently, and we'll talk about recent and then we'll go back, but recently you've, you've started CrossFit. How long have you been with us with CrossFit Van Zandt? Uh, going on a year, Sam. I don't remember. Uh, I think November uh, mm-hmm. this year will be a year for me, I think. October, yeah. November, somewhere in that range, sir. You're, you're 74 years old. Mm-hmm. And when you first started here, I can remember you could barely you could barely get up off the ground. Right. Mm-hmm. You could barely pick up much of anything. Mm-hmm. And today I saw you pick up uh, 35 pounds over, from the ground to overhead 10 times in a row without stopping. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Which was, you know, significant weight. It's almost a bag of feed. <laughs> <laughs> but you've really made uh, a big improvement this over this last year and I want I just want to thank you for just giving us a chance to help you. Mm-hmm. Well, you know that when I when I came and talked to you last year, uh the year before we'd been sitting at the house and I sat there all winter and it's wet and everything got depressed, you know, just uh, too wet to go outside. I don't mm-hmm. have much land anymore and uh, I just had to do something to get out of the house and I kind of talked to Adam a little bit about it but I I mean I didn't think that I could do what y'all were doing yeah. and I was really pretty apprehensive about it you know but mm-hmm. I thought well if I Janine told me get out of the house go do something and I won't be depressed anymore and everything and and you and Ashley when I, I think I talked to you mainly and you said that y'all could tailor what we do what y'all do you mm-hmm. know to uh to help us and uh so I came, and uh, I will admit the first uh, few weeks were embarrassing, 
you yeah. know. I mean, you know, you see uh, some little old ladies, some young people, and they're picking up stuff. Ten times what I should be able to pick up. But mm-hmm. you finally got it across to me that uh, you're not competing against anybody else. And so yeah. now uh, I can do so much more than I did then. I think I think our motto should be encourage others while conquering yourself. That'd be a good one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I think, is that ego we're talking about? Where you, you come in and you think you should be doing more than everybody else because, you know, you're a man. You, you, you're that's you're, true you're yes, a real sir. man actually you're a real man man's man but you come in here and and somebody that's been doing crossfit for years more than you can do more than you can and it's hard to it's hard to think that oh gosh it's going to take me forever to get to their point true that, that's true but you know the thing about it after you get to after you getting to know the people, especially, I don't know, we, we kind of laugh. We've got this 9 o'clock class, you know, and there's, what, four or five people that are give or take my age. We, we really enjoy the company. There's no depression. We have a great time in here. And they encourage you. And, I mean, you know, just whatever you're picking up, that's great, you know, yeah. what you can do. So. That 9 o'clock class is very old. <laughs> I mean, that's this. you guys have been around for a long time. I mean. But did you notice it's how like, much like somebody from the Bible? You know? <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. But did you notice how much fun we have? Yes, we have a ball. And I, I tell you, your your sweet wife, bless her heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, she'll start telling us what we're going to do, and and maybe give us uh, like y'all all do, short way we're going to do it. And mm-hmm. me and George and uh, who was John was here. Then. Yeah, John uh, Lewandowski. Uh, yeah. George and uh, Craig, we're sitting over just kind of shaking our heads, you know, mm-hmm. we're kind of laughing. And in a minute, you say, I'll get to y'all. Just, yeah. you know. <laughs> so, yeah. but it's uh, it's like I told y'all earlier, I would have never, ever thought that, you can ask Janine, I miss it when I don't get to come. Yeah. So, I, but who would, I would have never in my life thought I would miss coming to work out. The, what you just said, I, I miss it if I wouldn't, if I don't come. That that's a that's a metric or a milestone within itself, because early on when you start exercise, if you go from the couch and you start an exercise program, you dread going, mm-hmm. and you and it and it's so tough at the beginning that you're so sore and you don't you don't want to go, but you hit a certain point to where if you you don't go, your body yearns for that for that activity. True, and it's it's almost like. Uh, you know, I, I say, you know, you should do, you should work out and it should be a part of your personal hygiene, just like brushing your teeth. So if you don't brush your teeth in the morning, you kind of feel dirty for the rest of the day mm-hmm. or you feel off, you mm-hmm. know, and that's the same thing with, uh, with, uh, exercise. But I think what you're talking about also is, is the mental aspect of it. You know, when you do that hour long exercise or whatever, however long we do the workout that day, your, your brain emits those endorphins, which is an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. It helps you chemically balances you and relaxes you, and it gives you the success. You know, I just you finish that workout, and that's that's a achievement for the day. True. No, true. Ma- no matter how well you did in the mm-hmm. workout, hell, you finished it. You know? True. True. And uh, then you move on. You go to work. You do. You you know you achieve something there. You go to the farm. You you do something there, mm-hmm. and it just it kind of snowballs. But you yeah. know, I told I told Ashley when I came that uh, one uh, after the tornado three years ago, my hip was messed up real bad and everything. And as much as I like to ride horses, I could not hardly get on. 
I couldn't swing my right leg over the saddle. I'd have to lay down. It wasn't. It was not pretty at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told Ashley, I said, my one goal is to be able to where I can get off and over my horse. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I hate your squats and I hate your step ups. Now that big wooden box we've got now, what I'm doing my step ups on. Yeah. But I can get on and off horse. So hey. Now, that, that's an accomplishment that, right there. That was your goal coming in. That was my first goal. I got yeah. others now, but that was my first one that I've accomplished. You're, so. you're one of the – I don't know too many cowboys. <laughs> and I know you don't consider yourself a cowboy probably. But but you're somebody that – and I say a man's man, but you're somebody I would go to for advice on, on horses, cows, ranching. And your, one of your goals was to get back uh, – to be able to ride a horse. And you're 74 years old, and you get on a horse, and you still rope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So when did you get started in all that? Can you take me back? We, when, I was a, when I was a kid, my dad had a lot of cotton farm mm-hmm. uh, in West Texas, in Paducah, Texas. And uh, had some cattle, but it wasn't our main uh, way of making a living. And as I got in high school, we did away with that and started running a bunch of wheat pasture cattle. So I, I grew up on a horse. Uh, okay, so I, why why did you stop doing cattle? Because it wasn't. No, I never did stop. I did. I uh, well, let me back up a minute. My dad was doing them. I was doing them. Uh, the mid eighties, we had some real severe droughts in West Texas, and I went broke. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I sold out. And at that time, that was you know, you look back on stuff and you realize that the Lord led me into part of that. But I went mm-hmm. broke, and that's when I went to work for Farm Bureau Insurance, which I worked yeah. for 28 years, which what brought us here. But uh, that's why I quit uh, the cattle business, because I went broke at that time. Is there anybody that makes money in the cattle business? Uh, yeah, there's times. You know, th- there was time. There was times made real good money. But when we had uh, back then, we had all those droughts and land payments and everything. There wasn't anything else going on. I mean, I had combines and trucks. I had a uh, mm-hmm. truck and outfit and everything. And uh, but the, it took everything I was making to keep the farming going. I finally realized I need to be doing something else. You know, yeah. when, when your whole I don't know what your family's done. My both sides of my family, my granddad, my grandparents, and all of them have always been farmers and ranchers, always. So it just, you just fell into it like it was natural, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just finally got the chance where I turned everything over to my dad and sold out and left. Because I, le- I could move, he couldn't, so he kept going. So, uh, so anyway, then went to work for Farm Bureau Insurance, and uh, we had a, working there and i got to be a manager of several little counties there we were blessed we had the number one small agency in the state for several years and that's how we got an advancement to come here but we both know that janine and i know that this was an opening that the lord created for us to to be here so that's so, how we got here so you start ends out in paducah where you started with farm bureau i actually started in decatur i actually went there mm-hmm. uh uh I moved. That was an opening there, and then I thought saw that wasn't working, and I was going to quit do something else. And my boss just said, "We need somebody back in Paducah. There's not so few move back there, so we got to move back home." Mm-hmm. And uh, then then there was uh, they put several out there. Out there, I had six counties under my agency, and there were like 1,100 customers there. Mm-hmm. When I moved here, there was like 3,000 in one county, so it's quite a di- quite a difference. So. Uh, What's the secret to selling insurance to somebody? What do you have to do? Oh, gosh. You know, I don't know. Because you can get insurance anywhere. That's exactly right. And the thing that you have to do is you have to be be honest. 
and and give people what they need. I mean, uh, there there's so there's a bunch of different kinds of policies, and everybody doesn't need the same thing. Everybody doesn't need uh, the best. They need what they can afford so, uh, to cover what they want. So uh, the thing you do is just sit down with each one of them. Let's find out what you want to do. What can you afford? Uh, how can we best help you? And then uh, when you have a problem, we need to be there to help them. That's what we sold them was we'd be there whenever you uh, – because the insurance is not worth anything until you have a loss. Right. Then that's when you need to be there and to help them. So I think it's – in. and I was blessed to work for a good company, Farm Bureau, believed in its customers and – uh, well, it was. It was. So you know, you not only sold insurance policies to people, but you were there when they needed had well, questions. Was, they needed to file a claim. They mm -hmm. called you, and you helped them get, sure, to, get, get to, to the right place. Do everything. Do everything. And that's. Uh, and it, it was really amazing because uh, you know I worked for them for twenty eight years and retired, and we had the tornado three and a half years ago and lost everything. Yeah. And uh, well, some of the adjusters when they showed up at our house, where Janine and I were still. Uh, unable to get out and get around so they talked to mandy and one of them said you know said uh, i've helped your dad to bunch these claims and now it's our turn to help him and they did oh, well they come through great so uh so anyway but and there's there's a lot of good companies uh and a lot of good people so what would you if i was working at your insurance if i was under you at farm bureau i just mm -hmm. starting out what's some advice you'd give me on getting some client getting my first client where do i go where do i we're going to give you a book of business. That was what we'll mm -hmm. do. I mean, I have I have customers there that uh, maybe John Smith signed up years ago and everything, and he's gone. So I need to give them to somebody now. And my advice to you is to you go sell one of these people. Don't mm -hmm. worry about selling them anything. Go talk to them and just we have a little uh, review form. What do you need? You know, I mean, let's just see what kind of needs you have so we can cover those and. Uh, that's the main thing we try to do. The review farm was our our bread and butter. And then you tell me what you can, what you need, uh, what do you need it for? Mm -hmm. uh, worst thing that we saw uh, in our years <laughs> we're gonna get off on insurance things. Go, go ahead. <laughs> uh, was was, was uh, life insurance because a lot of people, uh, you know, they. Uh, they can. They got a car payment. They got to cover it. They got a house payment. They got to cover it. Uh, you know what? The number one reason uh, the industry said for young women remarrying after their husband's death, they can't afford to raise their kids by themselves. They didn't have any life insurance. Yeah. So what's you want to protect your house? Bank says you got to do that. But what? Are, who's going to protect your family? Right. You got to do that. So my job when you go when you go out there and see these people, Sam. You got this little review form, and mm -hmm. you, you see what they need. You you make it a point to say we need to cover your family. We need that's the most important thing you have. You need to cover them now. Maybe you can't afford to do it all today, mm -hmm. but I'd hold up rather bring you a check for for fifty thousand dollars, knowing you need two hundred. Then say I'm sorry, you didn't do anything. Right. And then unless while you're while you're healthy, I'm gonna come back and see you again next year. We're gonna see, okay, you got a little more money we can put in this, but I'm gonna do my best to take care of all your needs while you're doing that. And the thing that I did would try to get all my agents to do that with their clients, okay? Mm -hmm. And I did have a book of business too, but you do that. My job is to sell Farm Bureau insurance to the to the county, to the town. Mm -hmm. So anything goes on town, we're gonna be a part of it, we're gonna support it. 
Yeah. Uh, we're going to make it where people uh, know we're here and what we stand for. And then, because uh, a lot of people, uh, we, we can't catch them all, but we did have a lot of them that walked through the door looking for us. So right. that was what, what we did. So I could make, I could make get, you a success. Get, <laughs> but you need to get plugged in to the community. Yes, sir. You need you to go to church. You need to go to, out to eat. You need to go everywhere. Sp- Kids games and mm-hmm. and things like that. You walk you walk in the cafe and uh, there's a kid down here said you know said you're not running for public office but you know uh, shake hands say something nice to everybody it doesn't hurt to be nice to you never know when you never know when you saying a kind word to somebody is going to be the answer to the prayer that they were looking for they were just thinking you know I'm just not nothing's working right and there you are you're talking to them making them smile happy and now have, they're having a better day. So look at what you did. Yeah, that's true. That's mm-hmm. so true. Mm-hmm. And you've been that way for a long time. Who, t- who taught you that? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Who, t- who taught you how to be so nice to people? I, you know, Dr. Dan Hilliard, uh, he he told me one time I was going to him. You can ask Janine about this. Uh, I always kid her that uh, – she takes better care of her, a lot better care of herself than I do. And you know what my diet's like, you know. So yeah, anyway, we're, wor- we're working on it. Yeah, I know you're working on it. But uh, he told me, he said, you know, the good Lord gave you a better deck to play with than other people because he knew you wasn't going to take care of yourself. We yeah. all have gifts that the Lord gives us. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yours is right here. Look at what you're doing at all the people that you're helping here, that you're helping improve their lives and their bodies through CrossFit here. And, I mean, I'm a prime example of that. But that's that's a gift that the Lord gave you and Ashley that you can communicate this with those people and make them, make them want to put out. I mean, you know, us old men back there, we don't want to pick all them things up like we do every now and then. But yeah. we think, okay, this is what we do. So I, I think it was a gift I got, like the gift that you got. Yeah. And so now that we we're all are given gifts by the Lord, some of us just don't find them. And or maybe we're not in the right place to use them, and then who knows? Maybe that uh, being went, going broke farming and have to finding something through Farm Bureau, and then moving us down here. We got in with the church, we got in with y'all, with everything, and it's allowed me to use the gift that the Lord gave me to get along with people like that. So the other day we we moved, we moved from our house in town out to our house in Walton, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I had to move George's trampoline. Right. And I mentioned it to you because I was dreading it. I was up here. We're working out. You're in the class. And I said, I got to move George's trampoline because the, the, the new renters are coming in. And you said, oh, well, I'll be there. Uh, I'll be there in an hour with my tools. And I showed up to the house, and you were already there with your truck, with your trailer, with your tools. You, you helped me disassemble the uh, trampoline. You helped me load it. You carried it out to the house i followed you we assembled it and george started jumping on the trampoline you don't understand how big of a deal that was <laughs> to me it was a huge deal and that you doing that i thought about that and then i wanted to go help somebody else True. i mean you you know doing something like that is what you and i do for the people i don't expect anybody to pay me back for it if i if i got anything good out of it i would hope that you pay it forward now, now you yeah. go help somebody else you help somebody else. Yeah. That's so cool. What church do you guys go to? We go to Lakeside Baptist. How long have you been going there? Probably 13, 14 years. 
we we started out at First Baptist, and then we changed, and we we've been going over there. So, uh, so what's the key? What's if somebody wanted to get into a church? What what what's the steps? What, what what's the key to getting plugged in at a church and actually being a part of it? And because a lot of people don't know. You know, I think you look for a church that uh, that preaches the Bible as God's word straight from the Bible. Uh, no changes, no additions, no nothing. It's God's word, and, and find a preacher who believes that. And uh, if uh, if he's doing his job, he's going to step on your toes a lot of times. That's good. I don't want somebody just to say, oh, you're doing good. Come on, do this, do that. No, I need to know what I'm not doing and, and how can I help somebody else and what you're talking about me uh, helping you do that. I mean, there's a lot of people at the church that we do that with, but when you go to that church, there's – if you make yourself available, we'll put you to work. We'll put you to work. Give me an example of preachers stepping on your toes. Uh, well, he, he, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. He, he maybe you talk about stuff that, that you shouldn't be okay. I, I don't drink anymore. I quit years ago, but maybe he gets there one day and talk about uh, uh, alcoholic use or doing this or doing that or something that's that's not right and you're doing it. Something's got a grip on you, maybe. Yes, you know, he's okay, and you look around and is he looking right at me? <laughs> <laughs> no. You know, I mean, is, is yeah. he uh, or am I glowing? You know, is yeah. it so? Uh, but you, that but happens. That happens to me all the time. Okay, I understand it. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I mean, uh, you uh, he, he hits those spots that you need to correct yourself because if he doesn't hit a spot that, that you don't need to correct yourself, he's either not doing his job or you're not paying any attention because we all have, no matter how much we go to church, no matter how much yeah. we believe in the Lord and what he's telling us, we still have spots that we need to change. Because he's not, yeah, you're, one, not, you're not perfect, he's not perfect. No, and the, uh, our Brother Mark up here, I, I know you know him. Well, yeah. he, he's retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had a preacher the other day. I can't remember his name. He's a, uh, black, a black man from, uh, well, he's an interim preacher, and he was good. And he was talking about something that I have a problem with about loving your enemies, okay? Mm-hmm. What about all these people we have now that are trying to take down our governmental system? They're trying to, in California, they're closing the churches. They're putting you in jail if you go to church, mm-hmm. okay? Those are our enemies, okay? But the Bible says you love those people, Yeah. okay? The Bible also says it's not for me to judge them. So my job is, if you were doing that to me, Sam, then... then uh, I'm going to pray for you that you would come to know the Lord and you'd do away with what you're doing. But if not, the Lord would take care of that. I just turn you over to him. That's him. Yeah. You're his to judge, not mine. Right. And so that's hard not to do, oh, though. It's you know, hardest. It, you know, yeah. I look at these guys and think they're affecting my life. They're affecting my kids, my grandkids. What are they trying to turn this world into? And yet I've got to love them. I can't. Hey yeah. dear, I can't. I really would like to go shoot some up. Yeah. Oh, I'm, you know, I, I'm right I know you're right there. <laughs> yeah. But it's really, and I guess what he's what you're trying to say, you got to have conversations with people. You can't yeah. just shut them down. You can't shut them out, mm. or else it'll just get worse and worse. That's right. And we got to communicate with the people that we don't agree with, that especially other Americans. I mean, we're a country, right? Yeah. True. And he said, you know, something he said, you're supposed to love these people no matter what they do. He said, no matter how they vote. Well, yeah. look at there. I mean, we at, uh, 
we have me and our, our men's group at church and others, we have breakfast several times a week. And even though we all go to the same church, we've learned we don't talk about politics at the breakfast table. Yeah. Because you and I are great friends. We love each other. We trust each other. But we still might disagree with that. And that can. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a sticking point. Politics, religion. Hey, you was asking one thing a while ago about uh, when you go to church, uh, there, there are ways that you can fit in, that you can be of service. Whenever uh, I retired in 19, uh, well, no, 2013, my blood pressure was like 240-something over 120. Couldn't get it down. <laughs> I couldn't get it down. <laughs> right. Well, that's before I came to CrossFit. And uh, Janine and Mandy hit me up one day, and they said, you know, you're going to have to retire. And I yeah. said, well, okay, I'll, uh, I will uh, – I do that at the end of the year. This was March. They said, you won't live till the end of the year. Yeah. And so we prayed about it over the weekend and Monday morning. I told my boss, you know, I said, I need to retire. I told him what it was. He knew I had problems. He said, okay. So when do you want to quit? And I said, well, I'd like to keep going, kind of close things out a little bit. He said, okay. My blood pressure started going down that day. Mm-hmm. But my prayer was, Lord, if you get me out of this, then whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And, uh. We had, but there were several things that I, that had stopped me from doing that. And there, so anyway, when we agreed to do that, those things that I were was trying myself to fix, so I could retire. Mm-hmm. The, I, the Lord fixed them. He just said, He just said, get a, get out of my way. I'll take care of it for you. And uh, He did. And uh, they also, what happened was right there at the end of. Uh, about the time I was getting ready to retire, uh, Mike Calhoun called me from church. And he said, we need somebody to start a men's ministry. Would you be interested? And I thought, maybe this is what the Lord asked me to do. Mm-hmm. And so he said, you need to take a year and do this, do this, blah, 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 find these men, everything, make it work. Uh, 60 days, we had a group of men going. We were going, painting people's houses, cutting down their trees, hauling off trash. Uh, you have a problem, call the church. We'll take care of it. Yeah. Were you doing the the meals too? The, no, no, we were something else. Oh, we're doing the breakfast. We do breakfast. breakfast once a month. Okay. We're, we're doing some of those, and uh, we even got. I mean, you know, just if you need something, call us. Now we're uh, a bunch of old men with old bikes. They were limited mm-hmm. what we can do, you know. But uh, I we had a compliment the other day. Somebody called us, wanted us to help them do something. And the secretary's church said, "Well, aren't y'all from? Uh, y'all are not our church, are they?" So no, we're not. So we heard that uh, you got a group of men that help anybody that needs some help. So. You know, that's just something that just, like you say, yeah. that wasn't there. But we found a place, and all these guys on our – we just have – we get blessed doing it. We have a ball. Was that harder than working at Farm Bureau? Ah, uh, it's different. It's <laughs> different. It's different, you know. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, we, we've been – we've really been blessed moving to Canton. We've been we've enjoyed it here. How has Canton changed? You've been here 27 years, you mm-hmm. said? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. How has Canton changed over the years? Crowded. Yeah. I think one to, to 1993 we moved here. Uh, I think there was two pavilions out here. Yeah. You know, those two yeah. old ones that came yeah. to the road? Yeah. Uh, there, there those other stuff wasn't here. So you know how much it's grown and changed. And uh, out where we live, south uh, southwest of town, houses are being just put in out there right and left. But that's so fine. Adam and I used to take – and one time we got this old junk car. We used to take it in those pavilions, go as fast as we could, and hit the emergency brake because Henry Lewis had the had the smooth concrete, <laughs> and we'd hit the emergency brake and we would just turn and slide, just uh-huh. power slide and do three sixties and everything in there. 
but yeah, I remember just two pavilions down there. I remember the, they were nice because it, it was the only place indoors. Yes, there was. And then, uh, and then yeah. the, I remember when the arbors were built mm -hmm. and, and all that. True, and true. Of course, my folks were kind of involved in, in some uh -huh. of that. And uh, it is getting crowded. I feel like when you drive out the county roads, there's ever there's a house every. Yes, sir. F every acre. Yeah, and you know that's the people coming's not bad. Uh, I had to be careful what I could say because you're gonna put this on the air. But they, they come. Some of them that come need to leave their city ways behind. Mm -hmm. I mean, and because yeah. we're country people here, and I uh, made a comment one time. Somebody said something about that. I said, you know, this could be solved if when they move to Benjack County, they can't vote for 20 years. But I don't. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so some of your clients are not gonna like that, but that's. <laughs> well, maybe you can erase that. You know, I'm gonna get you. <laughs> There's a shirt. You know, a lot of people are moving from California here because California, nobody wants to live there anymore. That's right. I mean, uh -huh. especially if you own a business or, you know, if you're – and there's a shirt that says, uh, don't California my Texas. I've seen those. Yeah. Uh -huh. well, we need to get you one of those. I need to get one myself. But yeah, we, we need those, yes, sir. Mm -hmm. So if I wanted to go to – if I was in – you know, I'm plugged into my church, but if for somebody new that's that's starting church, what are the steps to go in there um, to become a part of that church? What do you need to do? You you show up at the door, and I'm gonna find you. Yeah, I'm I'm in charge of the ushers. Me and so you show up, and you're new. Me and my ushers will find you. And that's at Lakeside, which is down the street from CrossFit Van yeah. Zandt. Uh -huh. And when we uh, find you. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, let me know a little bit about you. Visiting, you want to move here? What are you doing? What can we help you with? You know, and give me your name, your phone number, and, uh, you know, th then I will make it my point to make sure that you feel welcome and that we can bring you in, and how, what can we do to help you get you started? It's almost as scary as going into CrossFit for some people, <laughs> going into a new church, you know, especially one that's been here a long time, like Lake, like Lakeside or, yeah. or uh, uh -huh. you know, um, you know, we left First Baptist. It was uh, that was when after Brother Charles uh, retired, he'd been there thirty something years. We left, and I thought, well, we've been here ten, fifteen years. We'll know people at at Lakeside, you know. And we went in over there, and I didn't know very few because it's not it's a community church. Mm -hmm. uh, when they had the uh, the wet dry elections here, mm -hmm. you know, a few years ago, mm -hmm. and uh, Brother Mark. Uh, called his deacons in to talk to him about the about voting. Of course, that was just a city election. You lived yeah. in city outside. None of his deacons lived in the city. Yeah. You know, I mean, they lived all communities around here. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a community-wide church, kind of what it is. So. Good deal. The, uh, um, let's talk tornadoes now. Okay. All right. Now, <laughs> and I know, not to make light of it, because your, your, mo your mom was – passed away yeah, right right what's the first tornado not may the 10th of 1957 uh we we lived in paducah my dad rented a bunch of land up on the plains between uh amarillo and plainview a place called silverton mm -hmm. and we moved up there uh in january and this tornado was may the 11th and uh my dad's in new mexico buying cattle and uh it came through there and wiped our house out. It was in the country, which was sparsely populated. I mean, very, very few people. And yet there's 28 people killed. What kind of house was it? It was a frame house. 
for a big frame house, nice farmhouse. And uh, my mother was killed. She had one blow to the back of her head, best I remember. And uh, my sister had her pelvis and legs broke. She was found under a telephone pole. And uh, I landed a quarter mile away from the house in a hopper of a combine. And had a tube force spinner through my right leg. My neck broke. And the reason we know this is it was right about daylight when it hit our house. Like, and, like 6 a.m. or something? Yeah, probably. And the neighbors down the road, a quarter mile away, had missed their house. And they started driving down, you know, to our house and got stuck. And they got out and started walking, and they saw me crawl down off the combine and get there. Because I, I was unconscious were for three Were you in bed asleep? Yes, yes. Everybody was? Mm-hmm. Just yes. in their own rooms? Or mm-hmm. Yes, uh-huh. Was your sister in there with you in your your share room? Or? I don't remember. I, I, I do not remember that, really, because I was uh, 10 years old. So I, I kind of think she had her own room, best I remember, but I could be wrong. So, uh, But there wasn't nothing left of our house except the foundation, period. And <laughs> we had a, a house probably, I went back up there years later, maybe uh, 150 foot away from our house that uh, some of our hands lived in. One window pane sucked out of it. And that's it? Mm-hmm, yeah. You saw this one that was here a few years ago, and Adam and Mandy worked with us out there on that, and we've all agreed that if somebody said, well, hey, I, I, my folks, are, we saw this tornado, and you won't believe what happened. Yes. I, any, I will believe anything that you tell me that was a result of that after we've been through those. And then I had, you're talking about that, there was another one in 1970 in Lubbock. So 57 was the first one. 57, first one. 1970 was the second one that you yeah, were in. It came down 4th Street, and I lived on 5th Street. Where at? Lubbock. In Lubbock? Uh, it was, you know where the Texas Tech Stadium is. I lived about six blocks east of there. And, uh, what were you doing in Lubbock? Uh, I was working. I was fixing to go back to college and uh, was working at the, at the f- uh, sale barn there. Uh, fixing to go back to college. Well, when it, it destroyed the car and pickup, didn't hurt me at all. And uh, so I left and went to work then and moved to so it hit your house hit apartment building hit apartment building yes you had a room there and it didn't hit your room but it hit Mm -hmm. your car yeah car and pickup it had you remember those old the houses used to have those hard asbestos shingles on them Mm -hmm. they they were stuck inside of my car just like i don't know they were stuck in the car what's the third one uh here three years ago april 29th uh 19 20, 2017. April 20, I'll never forget that. April 20, April, April 29, 2017. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. That one took out your entire house and injured both of you took guys. Took both out. Injured you and your wife, Janine. Mm-hmm. We were looking at it, and uh, we had a bunch of trees around the house, and we didn't know. Now, you, you know, uh, God, God prepared us for this storm. I was supposed to be gone to a men's retreat in Oklahoma. Last minute, I couldn't go. Adam uh, had tickets, free tickets to go to a Rangers ball game Saturday mm-hmm. afternoon. Last minute, he didn't go. Well, long story short, after it's always one is important him because he's the one that came and got us that night. If yeah. he had been down there, he wouldn't have done it. But we were watching. We kept watching. We knew the weather was bad, and we got in the closet, and I heard a window break out, and I went around. We'd run in there 
like a dummy to see what it was. And uh, all the windows were broke out, curtains flapping, and next thing I know, the laminate flooring was sucked up and it was floating around me. What were you thinking? You've been through two tornadoes. I knew what it was. I yeah. knew what it was, but there wasn't anything to do about then. And something hit me in the back. Uh, and it would you know now what it was was wall that was pushed me the walls were and it was pushed me towards the windows and I thought I'm gonna get squashed when I hit that I saw the barbecue grill table and everything flying across there and next thing I know my feet dropped out from under me and uh, the wall was gone and I was over the rose bed and that's the last thing I remember uh, I woke up in the uh, we had a bunch of tall pampas grass I woke up out there and then had about they put about thirty staples in the back of my head where it knocked me out. And Janine was still in the closet. All stuff falling down on her. She could hear. I see, I was blessed. I was unconscious. She never went out. And it sucked the boards up off the concrete, you know, where they're nailed in. I don't know what you call them, but and pulled divots out and left her laying there. Wow. And it moved her across the driveway and everything. When, when it was gone, she said to me, and it was gone. It was just like that. It was quiet. And... Uh, she got up hollering for me and uh, walking around there. Next thing I know, I got up out of the pampas grass and there we were. So, <laughs> so, so when, so when the weather's bad, the tornado, like tornado warning. I just, I want to call and see where you're at. And that's you where know I, where we'll be. We have a storm cellar to back. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I don't want to be anywhere close to that. But now wait, but now wait a minute. But now see our neighbors, uh, you know, we, we didn't rebuild. We bought a house uh, about mm. two miles north there, and our neighbors are great people. And somebody said, why are you letting them move in? You know, I mean, they bring those tornadoes with them. He said, yes, they do. But said, he has survived all of them so far. So, yeah. so that's, that's plus there, too. Do you think that any, you know, going through these storms, like, because that's the worst storm that we have is tornado. Mm -hmm. Yes, here in East Texas. Yeah, Virgil Milton said like 15 miles an hour being a, uh, a five. I mean, it was a, what do you call them? Cat category five. Yes, yeah, like 15 miles an hour being a category five. Well, there was four tornadoes that night, April 29th. There was seven. There were seven. Seven in the county, yes, sir. There I got a map up. There were seven in the county, but there was four major ones around Canton. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. None of them hit downtown Canton, but they were all around the perimeter. And, of course, People lost their lives that night. Uh, but you going through all those tornadoes, did that have anything to do with you being in the insurance business? No. That just was... Coincidence. Well, uh, yeah, it, it was. It was cool. No, that, I think if you're a Christian, you believe in the Lord, there's not a coincidence. The Lord okay. led me into the insurance business and... Out of that is where we are today, and it all tied in. There's offshoots of that that come out of being in the insurance business that uh, we've been able to serve and be here. So the one in 1957 that killed your mom, how did y'all recover from that? Uh, well, you know, as a, as a kid, my grandparents lived right close there. We went and lived with them for a while. My dad, uh, uh, we loaded up. After a year, my sister was in the hospital in Lubbock. She's in a body cast from her chest down through her feet uh, for months. And uh, and you got to remember, this was, what, that was 60 years ago, so their medicine was a lot different than it is today. And I had uh, uh, splinters, still have black spots where they dug stuff out of me. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we moved back to Paducah. Uh, 
after a year, and he went back to farming there, and so that's where we grew up the rest of our life, or all through our school lives there in Paducah. So, uh, do you ever, as a kid, you ever wonder why it happened? Why did you ever oh ask yeah. God why you why it hit your house and why sure. it killed your mom? Sure, we did, and you know, and we lived with my mother's parents there in in Lockney, Lockney, Texas, close to Silverton, Florida. Uh, we lived we lived with them for a, a year there, and yes, a lot of times, you know, why why, you know. What would you say to somebody somebody that that asks why why does something happen to me bad? When bad things happen, why does it happen? We don't know to this day. Okay, to this day, this last tornado that Janine and I went through uh, has made us stronger Christians. Uh, we we know that the Lord brought us through this for a reason. We don't know what, but we serve him. It's made us closer together, she and I, because we nearly, I mean, Every now and then I break down because I, I nearly lost her that night. And so you have to believe that the Lord has a purpose in this. He's not cruel and not going to take somebody away, but it, it happens. I, I personally think, okay, like the tornado. Somebody said, why does God allow this? When Eve took a bite out of that apple multi-years ago, into the world came tornadoes, floods, famine, pestilence, everything that goes with uh, with a, de- a dead, dying world that the Lord uh, put here for us to to enjoy, and then we we've turned it back in His face. So He didn't cause the tornado that come that night. It's part of that, but at the same time, He has the power. We should both be dead, but I've had many people say, you know, you were blessed that night. God put his hand over both of us and said, not tonight. So in the midst of that storm that come through, he still had the power to say no. Now, our neighbor lives to the south of us, uh, Cheryl Hughes' husband, yeah. Kenny. Mm-hmm. What was He died that night. Yes. Uh, when we were neighbors for years right across the fence from each other, why uh, was he killed and why were we not? I cannot answer that. I wouldn't even begin to try to think that why. I don't know. I, I can't answer that. I just know that, okay, uh, I don't know. <laughs> Someday maybe we'll find out. Someday maybe we'll find out. Have you gotten any closer finding why God spared you guys that night? What, what is it, what's, the, what's the goals for the next 20 years, 30 years? My goal for today. My goal for t- today. Right, okay. My goal was for today. When you told me about this, uh, it won't do this, and I told you, you know, that, uh, man, uh, George, is, uh, I just couldn't believe that what he told us all that he went through, and I didn't go through that, but I I told Janine, I said, okay, if, let's go talk to this. I said, maybe one, one thing that I can do that I promised I would do since tornadoes, I'd, uh, I give my testimony to the Lord about how he inspired us. Maybe it would help somebody else. We, after that, uh, the tornado, uh, ladies from the church up here came out and interviewed Janine for about two hours, condensed it for about 20 minutes, and it's on YouTube. You can look up Janine Puckett on YouTube, and it's tell you her full story. Uh, one of my buddies was going to be interviewed for, uh, by, chan- uh, I don't know what channel it was, out of Tyler, by during the tournament. He said, oh, no. I said, I'm not the one you need to see. So go see Pat. Well, they, they kept calling, calling, and I finally said, what, what do you want? She said, I want your story. Mm-hmm. all this 
And I said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll do it on one, one condition. She said, what's that? And I said, well, I can tell you how we got into the storm, but we didn't get out of it. The Lord brought us out of it. And I said, uh, are you going to put that on TV? She said, I will. I said, really? She said, yes. And I said, okay, who edits your material? She said, I do. So she came and did the story, and we heard a bunch of back feed off of it about people saw that. So we've got to tell our story about uh, the Lord, how he saved us, how he brought us through that on her deal there, uh, TV, what you and I are talking about today. Mm -hmm. So uh, is that why he brought us through it? Or does he uh, have a purpose in what we do? I just get up there every morning and thankful for one day at a time. And you, and I, I mean, I don't have nothing else. You said what? But my you plan but, 20 years, I don't have one. But you try to do one thing a day, maybe. When, my, when I get up in the day, let me, have, let me find somebody I can help. Maybe just saying a kind word to them, putting an arm around their shoulders. Let me help make somebody's day a better day today and bring them closer to you. And then when I get up tomorrow, if I get up tomorrow, hopefully I'll be able to do the same thing. So do wake up and try to do one thing, try to make a difference yeah, in one, difference. one way, uh -huh. positive. Yes. And yeah, it's funny. We both, uh, we've laughed about, of course, Janine, I was knocked out cold uh, for five, ten minutes till she found me, and uh, but Jane wasn't. So she had a form of PTSD. Uh, we lived with some friends of ours out there after the storm. They had, they had an apartment kept us there, and I didn't know it till she was telling me that going back and forth and driving through that damage. Uh, well, same thing with I guess with uh, y'all in the war and everything, but it was just making her sick. Mm -hmm. No, well, I, know, well, I understand about well, that. Yeah. We got her some help, too, and it, it got her over that. So, And we did get to go to a church one time, and uh, he was very adamant about uh, that part of it. He said, you know, some of you people are suffering from things like this, and you need to know it's not bad to ask for help. Right. I've gotten therapy. Yeah, yeah. So she did that. So yeah. uh, so we, we, uh, we right now, we live a very simple life. Uh well, a lot of the stuff that we had is gone, but it was just stuff. Yeah. It was just stuff. We have each other. We have, we met so many nice people that showed up out at our house to clean up, to help. We never knew them. Still don't know who all they are. They're out there, though, aren't but they? But they're there. You know, when when uh, stuff happens like this, God's people rise to the top. They help. You know, so I have made it a, uh, I don't know, I've been to four or five tornado damages since then. I thought. There's every one that I can drive to, I'm going and uh, help them clean up because they came and helped us. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not helping the people at my place. I don't know who they were. I'm just yeah. helping those that need help. So Maybe we can think about that instead of all the stuff going on in California. Well, those people in California, bless their hearts. <laughs> Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, and we're not. Let's don't let's don't go there, Sam. And we're, not, yeah, and we're not talking about the wildfires. That's no, that's, that's hard. That's oh, hard stuff. Ain't that but, stuff. That's terrible. But, uh, terrible. And yeah. you know, and that's and I, sometimes I ask myself, why in the heck do we live here? You know, mosquitoes mm -hmm. are bad, snakes are bad, torna mm -hmm. tornadoes are bad. Uh -huh. Why don't we live somewhere nicer? But every place kind of has their, ha ever, you know, wildfires, earthquakes. Yeah. Yes. Every place has their bad weather. Mm -hmm. Really. Yeah. Yeah, when we had one of the one of the things we did with Farm Bureau with Janine's job with Arbonne is we got to take a lot of nice trips. And do you remember back in the oh gosh, it was probably the 80s when those uh, 
California when all those highways collapsed on each other. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah. One of the one of the big trips we won was we were going to go to uh, overseas, but that was Desert Storm then, so they wouldn't ship us out of the country. So we went to uh, San Francisco, and out of our window we could see those highways collapse on each other. And those people out there, they find out it was Texas. Man, I wouldn't want to live there. So many tornadoes and everything. I said, we can hide from them. Where are you going to hide from an earthquake? Yeah. So you were there when the earthquake happened? No, 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 no. It had already happened. Oh, you just we, saw we just, so We just saw the results of it. Yeah. So those those uh, highways collapsed on each other. Yeah. But when they did have earthquakes while we were there, we felt tremors. Yeah. I felt the earthquake in Afghanistan, but it wasn't didn't do any damage. But I mm -hmm. felt it. That was yeah. really strange. Yeah. Really was. strange. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about team roping. Okay. This is the only experience I have. Let me just tell you what I know, which okay. is nothing. But uh, Roy Dean was my dad's first cousin in Wills mm -hmm. Point. Mm -hmm. This guy, he can team rope. and he, he He's good. And Clay is excellent. Clay. I know both cousin. of them real well. So when I was a kid, my dad bought me a horse named Max, a Palomino, and Roy gave me a saddle that mm -hmm. he had won or something, and – one time, I can't remember if I was 10 years old or something, but they let the, the calf out of the chute, and I, and I got to chase him with the horse. I never got around to roping him because mm -hmm. I never, I wasn't, I barely could ride, mm -hmm. much less ride and rope at the same time. What is your job on your team roping team? What do you do? Take me through what your role is, and, and take me through team roping and what, what goes on. Essentially, there's two, there's two cowboys. Two cowboys. There's one steer. Is this or one steer? One steer. Mm -hmm. Somebody ropes the horns. The other guy ropes the back two legs. That's correct. The the team that ropes both successfully in the shortest amount of time wins. Wins. Correct. When you rope the the hind legs or the the horns, you throw a, a larret rope. You cinch it up and you wrap it around your saddle horn. You dally it around your horn. You yes, dally sir. it around your horn. There's one exception. What did I leave out? Go okay. ahead. Okay. Well, uh, th this thing is such a multi-industry now. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is. Uh, uh, this last week in in Fort in uh, Fort Worth at that new, well, the old real Rogers Coliseum and the new one they have over there. Mm -hmm. If you'd have drove over there, there were thousands of trailers. I mean, people came from all over the United States to rope there because it was the finals, and uh, they spend. Uh, it is a multi, multi, multi-million dollar industry. But the ones we go to locally here or, or whatever, uh, we all started when we was kids. I started when I was a little kid roping uh, calves and you graduate and everything. And now it's just a, something we do. You know, mm -hmm. okay, there's five or six of us guys my age. And we have a uh, Robert Armstrong, don't know if you know him or not. Got a place out here in North Town, an old arena out there. Mm -hmm. And we have a steer that is a plastic steer on a sled, yeah. not live. Pull it with a four-wheeler. We'll go out there and spend all evening roping that thing. Take off, rest while, rope, just just something we know how to do. But as far as roping, one man goes, comes out, he, he ropes the horns, he turns him left, and the one that has the – it comes in behind him and ropes the heels, both hind legs. Is, and as you said, they dally to the saddle horn. Mm -hmm. With the exception, the man that is healing when he gets to be 50 years old can tie off. I, I don't have to dally back there anymore. I broke all my fingers and nearly cut some off. Yeah. So I don't have to do that anymore. But so the, the rope is tied to your saddle? When I'm healing. 
when what you're I, healing. What I, I'm ambidextrous. I do both ends of it. I can miss on both ends. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a percentage? What Do you ever t- keep score, like, whenever you go, how many times do you miss versus how many times you, you get it? Because you don't, you don't hit it a lot, right? Oh, or no. Oh, no. If I, if I can – healing, if I can catch 70% of them, I'm doing good. And heading, I have a better percentage on that. Cause see, another thing you think about too is the person that's heading is is the quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's set, he's catching and he's setting everything up. Okay, if he misses, I never get to throw on right. the heel side. I don't get to throw. So he catches and he turns him off. Then how is he leading him off? Because in an ideal world, you want him leading him off fast enough that the steer is hopping. So yeah. when he hops, and that's when you deliver your rope and put it under his hind feet. What do you aim at when you throw your rope? The right, the right leg, right the hind leg. The right hind leg. Mm-hmm. How do you throw? You throw it sidearm. You throw it overhand. You throw it, I throw it. I throw it overhead, and and you bring it down from the side, and you want to put the bottom loop on the ground. That's mm-hmm. your break right there, and then it stands up because if you don't hit it on the ground, it'll just shoot all the way through. So. It's just a, you know, I've been roping since I was nine years old, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> so it, what do you think about right right when you're in the chute ready to go and you're waiting, they tell you to stand by? No, you ride in the chute. Yeah. The, head, the header rides in, okay? Yeah. You, he's on the left side and you're on the right side. And he's the one, he's looking up at the steer, wants to make sure the steer's headed straight out there and nods his head because there's a barrier. Mm-hmm. You've got to give the steer a head start. And if you don't give him a head start, then it's a five-second penalty. So you want to make sure that the steer is headed in the right direction. If you're doing things right, you want to look over at your partner to make sure he's in mm-hmm. shape. And so when you let steer out, then you ride to him till you get to a spot, depending on how fast the steer is, how fast your horse is. You ride to a spot where you're comfortable throwing. Okay. And, and well, when, you, when you're in the chute and you're about to start, what are you thinking about? I'm watching the steer. You're in the you're the you're the heel. I'm a healer. When I when he come out, I'm I'm watching uh, the header, and when I see his rope going to mm-hmm. on the horns, then I look down at the steer's hind feet because he's going to turn him yeah. ninety degrees to the left, and that's when I get in position behind mm-hmm. him to throw my loop. But what are you thinking about? Are you do you say a prayer before you go out there? What's your <laughs> how how do you think? How do you have luck on your side, or how do you, how do you try to get success? Especially, do you guys? I mean, you probably don't ever gamble any money out there, but you probably somebody's buying coffee next today or something like that. But what are you thinking when you're about to start? What goes through your mind? Just Lord, let me do what I'm able to do. I mean, I'm not I'm not the most talented out there, and and I've been blessed. I've won my share, but uh, you just. Uh, Things have to be, I mean, if you can imagine, uh, last roping I was in down there, there was 400 teams, mm-hmm. you know, and I came back in the top 20. And uh, we, we just got a good steer, caught it the right time. Uh, it's just a combination of stuff. Uh, you, you can be the, the best roper there is, uh, even the world champions, they miss. Right. They they all do, you know, or maybe the steer ducks his head at the wrong time, or maybe it's so it's so interesting to me what people are thinking about when they start. Mm-hmm. For instance, Deion Sanders when he played football, uh-huh. 
when he's about to get a punt, and they the play hadn't even started, but he's about to catch a punt. What's he? Go, what's going through his head? I don't know. He'd be something what, with him. Yeah. It'd be. It's wild. It's, it, is it? Are they thinking of something to try to calm them down? Are they thinking about their next steps? Because you don't really know what the next steps are. I mean, you're probably wa watching the back of your partner. Mm -hmm. Your horse is going to go automatically. How are you holding on to the saddle? Or you're not. You're not holding. Just you're, with you're, your legs. You're a real cowboy. Let me say. No, you just you. But you. But you know, it's something that you get used to that you do. Yeah. Uh, you. You have to learn to ride. Yeah. And you know, it's it's riding, it's roping. And so I was in Afghanistan. I had a. There's a General Jalal Jalal was the general of the mm -hmm. Afghan National Police in the Kunar province. He was a Russian prisoner for, you know, the Russians invaded Afghanistan in 79 uh, to 1989. He was a prisoner almost the entire time, but he was a very powerful guy, corrupt guy. Mm -hmm. But he would walk up to Afghanis and slap them in the face. And, I mean, you just didn't mess with this guy. And me and him kind of went back and forth a lot because I was the American liaison from to him to my my commander but he tried to te he was kind of a mentor to me of such yeah. and he you know he kind of liked to show off in front of me but he brought a horse some of the in where I was in in northeastern Afghanistan it wasn't like in the northern Afghanistan where there's a lot of horsemen but he was a horseman and he brought his horse one day and you know I can ride a horse and, you know, I'm a pretty athletic guy. I jump on there. I ride him around. And, you know, I got off the horse, and he clapped a little bit. And uh, then he jumped on the horse. Of course, there's no saddles in Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. He jumped on the horse, you know, and he's wearing his, we call it pajamas. You know, it's just a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, a nice kind of a man dress, the mm -hmm. long shirt with a uh, light blue kind of linen suit. And uh, he jumped on the horse and clutched it so hard with his legs, and he started slapping the horse. And the horse was just j jump bucking up in the air. I mean, something out of a movie. Mm -hmm. And he was just looking at me, grinning, just mm -hmm. showing me how much of a horseman he was. Uh -huh. it, it was very impressive. Yeah. And um, hey. all right, what were you saying, Ben? Okay, you know, talking about uh, always been involved in team roping and, and a lot of – Around here, when I came here, they would have ropings every Friday, Saturday night, some little arena. Mm -hmm. It wasn't very expensive. It didn't cost much to get any. Well, in doing that, you'd have some kids or some women come up and say, well, Mr. Puckett, would you rope with me? Well, sure. It's not, but $10, let's get it. You know, and so now you go to some of these ropings and there's this big six-foot-plus kid come up and say, oh, Mr. Puckett, do you remember me? We used to rope again. I said, well, I ain't seen you since you <laughs> But there again, you know, uh, helping somebody doing something, and the yeah. way that some of them I rope with never seen before, we won stuff. It was great. Yeah, it just a blessing to get to do that. And then it's all, it's all kind of a community. You go to these places. Uh, I may not know anybody when I go there, but that's all right. I'll find somebody to rope with. So yeah, good fun. That's another thing. It's hard to get into. You know, is if you've never been around it, is being in a rodeo. You know, you oh, kind of yeah. got to grow up through that, or you got to. Yeah. You know, it's just like playing sports, but oh, a different yeah. type. Yeah, you show you show up, and after a while, you'll get to know people. 
How do they start team roping? Was that was that to get to, to brand a cow? Is that exactly. exactly what it was? Exactly. When they when we started roping in West Texas, you talk, we talking about dallying. Mm -hmm. We didn't dally. We we tied on both ends. So if you had a calf in the pasture that need branding or need doctoring for screw worms, and my dad and I actually did that a lot. We would uh, when we had all those cattle, uh, one of them roping around neck, one of them rope feet, and then you get off and you can doctor them. So tell me about the horse. What's the best horse for team roping? Oh, it's all quarter horses. There's no other horses that you can. You know, and then you got all different kind of colors. But uh -huh. they, they call them paint or beige or, you know, saw. But they're all quarter horses because they were bred to run the, uh, a quarter mile with their speed. Well, you know, when you're roping, it's a... Uh, you're, you're not going to run any of them over the length of this arena, this building here, unless you get some of the big professional places. You know, most of the ones I go to, the time you've run them, mm -hmm. 30, 40 foot, you've caught them. So. Can you tell me the story about going and buying a horse recently? <laughs> <laughs> the one that Adam told me? <laughs> the one that Adam told me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is uh, – I've been I've – been, uh, I have a horse that's 24 years old. He's crippled. Uh, he just is part of my life, part of my family. But uh, after the tornado, he was crippled and this and that. So I was looking for one, looking on the Internet and, you know, find this, find that. Well, uh, my wife will tell you that not all horse traders are exactly honest. They don't they tell you everything <laughs> you need to know. But, uh, but anyway, so I uh, – and I know what kind of price range they're in. So one Friday afternoon, I saw a horse on uh, – What's what's the price range? If you well, don't mind, if you don't mind me asking, a uh, de decent horse that's anywhere from thirteen to eighteen years old will cost uh, five to eight thousand dollars. If they can do it. Why do you want a horse that's thirteen to eighteen years old? When a, when a horse is getting to be uh, twenty, he's getting to be somebody that you could go rope off of, but you don't need to push a whole lot. You know, what I mean, uh, mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the the big guys in national finals and everything, they have horses that's 20, 20 plus years old, but they only take them to those big ropings. They don't go to the little play pens like I was telling you. We play mm -hmm. all day on them. So the younger they are, the the more uh, more that they can handle. Yeah. Okay. But you, if you get them, you know, 10, 12, 13, then they've been through the business and they're not scared of anything. So. Uh, okay. Sorry, I interrupted. That's all right. No, that's all right. It's okay. But anyway, so I saw this. Uh, uh, Eight-year-old bay horse for sale, thirty-two hundred dollars, and uh, I thought that's cheap. Something's wrong with him. Uh, but so anyway, I started calling and I got a hold of this kid. Yeah, you know, he told me about him and everything, and I said, well, I'd sure like to come looking. Well, uh, yeah, let, I'll get back with you. Well, this was Friday, so I called again Saturday, and all, we kind of missed each other off and on all through the weekend, you know. And the thing about it was he. He told me a lot about him that you could head, you could heal, which is is good that they can do both ends. Uh, and Price was right, and eight years old, so he think. But he never did tell me size or anything mm -hmm. about him, and uh, so I just about give up on him. Well, Monday afternoon, this guy called and said, "I have caught, I got the horse pinned. Would you like to come look at him?" I stopped, sure, down to the side of Chandler. So I drive off down there. And uh, as I'm pulling up here in front of this brick house, I can see a, a young white couple out there, a married couple, and they had a young uh, uh, black kid with them, and he was probably 6'4", six, 6'5", six, but it wasn't big around as a toothpick. Mm -hmm. 
and they're leading this horse out there that I probably could straddle him and still have my feet on the ground. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He was not very big. He, and so we, I, I thought, well, that's not the horse they're talking about. You know, so, yeah. so I walk out there where they are, and we get to talk, and come find out this young man and his wife owned the horse, and this young kid is his horse trainer. Mm-hmm. And I said, is this the horse right here? And he said, yeah, it is. And I said, really? I said, uh, you can head and heal both of them? He said, yeah. He said, I did this last weekend. He said, I wrote, did, caught most of my cattle. I said, well, they had, the cattle couldn't have been very big or he'd have drug you down the arena. He said, they weren't very big. They were <laughs> pretty small, but I roped them. And <laughs> we got to talking about it. And I told him, and the guy was telling me how much you want for him and everything. And I said, uh, he, he just not big enough for a horse. that he just and it won't be able to handle the stress. So he said, you think that's why I haven't been able to sell him is because he's not big enough? I said, well, yeah, that's it. I said, you know, I said, 3200 the price is right. But I said, nobody but a skinny kid like him can ride him, and then he can't rope anything very big. And he said, you know, the horse is real gentle, too. said, he would, he would make a great kid horse. I said, you'll have a better chance of selling him for a kid horse than with a roping horse. He said, if you want him for a kid horse, then I'll take $2,000 to 3200 <laughs> I said, well, I, I don't need a kid horse, but I appreciate you doing that. So anyway, we go to walking back up to my truck, and there's this young girl there. She's in her, on her early 20s, carrying a baby on her arm, you know, real nice couple. And they talking. She said, sir, do you mind? Uh, she said, why do you need a horse like this? And I said, well, I, you know, need something that I can rope off of. She said, really? Are you still able to rope? <laughs> So, you. So, so my family has really thought yeah. that that was a good one, you know. So, yeah. And then since then, I've looked. I have a horse that I bought uh, probably six weeks ago. Looks like he's going to be a real nice horse. But I bet I looked at seven or eight horses up to the end. Every one of them have a ding or something wrong with them. But when I told you the prices, uh, I knew that to buy one, I'd probably have some dings on it. But I had to be something that I could live with. Yeah. So, so you know. What's your horse's name? Cutter. 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 Registered horse. Had a cutter bill or something, and uh, his mom was on the freckles something side. I didn't get the papers with him, but, I mean, it's a, that's so that's the name they gave him. Palomina horse, 13 years old. Real nice. Real nice. So. All right. Well, Pat, I want to thank you for being on the show today. I've really enjoyed <laughs> it. You said it all. <laughs> Well, thank you. I've, you know, I told you when after I listened after I listened to George and I started the way did I thought, well, ours won't take but about five minutes. But it's been a while, so I thank you for letting me come on and uh, talk about what we've done and everything. And I want to thank you and Ashley. Y'all have uh, you do not know how many people that y'all are making a difference in their lives. And I'm a prime example of that. But I mean, everybody comes up here not only just. Uh, the physical aspect that we're talking about, but the the, mis- the mental and uh, just being a uh, it's a part of our lives now. It's just so, I'm just so thankful for it. Be able to come. Thank y'all very much. Appreciate it. It's, mm-hmm. We had a we've got a friends that live in Greenville that they have their CrossFit gym called CrossFit Mockingbird, and they told us they're like, you know this is our ministry is, is doing that, you uh-huh. know, this type of thing. And yeah, that's really touched me and Ashley hearing that. And that's, it's true for us too. Now we right. love, we love what we do and it, and it, does. And, uh, it shows, it shows. And, but we couldn't do it without people like you. 
So. Oh, wait. Well, it's, that's what uh, you have it. That's what we're here for. It helps us, y'all's ministry. It helps us expand our ministry. I mean, uh, what we've, I hope somebody's been blessed by what we've been able to talk about today. I hope they have. I think, okay. th- I think they will. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you so much. Thank appreciate you, Seth. Thank you, buddy. You All bet. Right. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, thanks for listening to uh, Sam Dean Podcast, Life Uncensored. We had Pat Puckett today. And if uh, if you want to sponsor the podcast, reach out to me at vzfitatme.com. This episode was sponsored by Van Zant Coffee. You can buy our coffee at vanzantcoffee.com. Uh, also sponsored by proletas.com. Protein proletas are ice cream, uh, ice cream bars made of protein. We sell them at CrossFit Van Zant and CrossFit Van Zant South. Greg Garcia is a Dallas f- police officer. He owns and creates the protein proletas thank you very much for listening have a great day bye bye